we recognise the self-advocacy groups who have worked together over the years for the rights in equality and human rights for all. Hello, I'm Sky, and welcome to another Raising Our Voices show on 3CR 8.55am. We are a self-advocacy radio show run by people with disabilities for people with disabilities. Nothing about us without us. The NDIS stands for the National Disability Insurance Scheme. The NDIS is intended to support eligible Australians with disability to access the services and support they need. It's worth noting that only 10% of people with disability get support from the NDIS. A major issue with the scheme is that you need to be under the age of 65 to qualify for the scheme. However, if you're already on the NDIS when you're when you're 65, you can still access services. So today we've got James and we've got Chris with us, and we are all going to um, have a chat about the NDIS and how difficult it can be to get funding through the NDIS. So Chris, would you like to start off and introduce yourself? Okay, I'm Chris and um, I do self-advocacy from Havasay Benigo. Great. And James? Hi, I'm James from Reinforce. And I'm Sky, and I am from New Wave Gippsland. And also from, we've just started a new group in the last few months called New Wave Rainbow Pride, uh, which is very cool. And I also work for the Sexual Lives and Respectful Relationships program. All right. So, James, would you like to start off by telling us about some issues that you've been having with the NDIS? Yes. Um, not getting enough hours for support or only three hours only three hours per, per month, uh, three hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon. No, oh, that's not very much, mm. is it? <laughs> Have you tried to get some more? I've tried to apply for more, but, I mean, it's just because um, they're not listening to what I'm saying. And what happens? Have you ever run out of hours? I've got the funding there, but I just not just not getting my support hours. Yeah, because um, I only get three hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon. So, so have you ever run out of hours? No, not really. Not not a normal time. But you're scared. If you if you do, then it's, yeah, it's not going to be any good, is it? Uh, yeah. So, James, you were telling me that you have trouble with uh, your support worker 
you get three hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon. Yeah. And so if, say, your support worker can't come or is sick or something like that, what do you do then? I would be still getting support at home with a different with a different carer would help me probably. Okay. But if I had to attend an appointment with my support carer, I would let him know the date and the time and he would take me. He would drop me off and he would he would get me there. And you would have um if your appointment went a bit longer or if you had to um, wait for your appointments? Well, I, I, it just depends because with the appointment, you only have 15 minutes to see the doctor. Mm. It's a 15-minute standard appointment. So what happens if, say, that goes longer? If we go longer, yeah. I mean, it, you have to let the um, receptionists know that if your appointment goes longer, you have to let them know over the phone. Well, so what happens if your appointment goes longer than three hours? He would extend his hours. And is that possible? or He would go over time, yeah. Do you have problems with getting support when that happens? No, no, it just depends. It, it depends if the appointment's in the morning or afternoon. Yeah. So you, you're saying that... You have to find your way home today. Yes. Because you don't have the right support in place or you don't have that support to to get home? He, I mean, I, I have to travel by public transport back home, yes. And why is that? Because uh, he dropped me off here today and I was supposed to, <laughs> I was supposed to have lunch before I came in, but I forgot. <laughs> okay. And so if something goes wrong or if something changes, then you have trouble getting those support hours? Is it quite stressful? Yeah, but, I mean, uh, with the appointments, yeah, I, I literally make my own appointments over the phone and then I let the team know and I let my support worker know the, the appointment time. Yeah. So what, what happened last Thursday, James? I was supposed to go out... Thursday last week to a trivia night and I, and I tried to call my cousin to see if he was still going, but he was working mm. on that day, so I had to cancel at the last minute. Because you didn't have support hours for that? I had, I had the support, but my support worker couldn't drop me. Yeah. So I had to cancel at the last moment. Yeah, because your support worker couldn't come. Yeah, so dropped me off. So yeah. I could have could have gone myself, but I didn't want to go because well, it's hard by yourself, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to do trivia by yourself. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the same. Last last time I did, I I, I flunked. <laughs> trivia can be difficult. <laughs> yeah, I I lost. <laughs> But last time I was there, my team only got 20 points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. What about Chris? Do you have troubles with NDIS too? I do have some trouble getting through to my um, coordinator, trying to ring her up and she doesn't answer the phone and it doesn't return my calls back. 
and it get frustrating. Mm. It can get really frustrating. Then then I got to ring up the head office, and then they take a long while for to get back to me as well. So mm. to find someone to help me answer my questions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because it's the support coordinator's role to help you find the supports that you need. But if you can't even get through to the support coordinator yeah. or the LAC, then mm. what do you do? I don't know, because they told me that she'll been away sick and if she's been away sick, they sort of like rang me and told me that my coordinator is not well, if there's anything that I can do to help, you know, from another coordinator. Mm. A bit of courtesy thing to do to let, you know, the clients know if a coordinator is sick or not. Or get somebody else to help you when they're not there. Mm. Yeah. And Chris, you have trouble getting support to go on holidays and camps and things like that? Yeah. um, At the moment, I have to, like, pay out of my own money, but it's a lot of money. Um, I was lucky this time to be able to have my NDIS pay for the camp I've been on, but um, there's none of my what's coming up and I don't know if I'll have enough funding to actually used it to go on um, the camp as well as keep my other programs going. So um, I'm hoping that there will be enough funding and I'm due, um, I think, in June or July for my NDIS appointment to update on what I want to use it for and I'm going to put it down as I want to use it for holidays. Yeah, so you're going to need to wait for your next plan review. Yeah. Yeah, because it... I think we'll talk about this later with tips and tricks with the NDIS, but everyone needs support day to day, but it's also important for people to be able to go for a holiday. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because we couldn't be able to go on holidays much with COVID and also problem with also with COVID is that I had a phone interview with my NDIS and I'd rather talk to face to face with that person rather over the phone mm. Because sometimes you don't think of something straight away and then by the time you finish that photo conversation, you thought, oh, I forgot to say this or I forgot to say that. Mm. When you're in a meeting and you forget something, you may be able to mention it on your way out. But Yeah. Hmm. Well, that was the thing when COVID came around. You know, they, the NDIS, just like everybody else, they went to telehealth and, and so you talk over the phone. So it makes it more cost effective for them so it makes it easier for them but it doesn't necessarily make it easier for mm. the participants does it no i found the same thing so james we we're just having a chat about talking with some other participants and so there's one participant who was saying that they have problems with knowing what to eat and getting meals done Want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. OT recommended that she have a pre-prepared meals, but the planner said no because that she needed to learn to cook yeah. herself. But so it's difficult, isn't it? It is difficult, yes. But, I mean, it just depends 
what she eats as well. And yeah, I, I feel sorry for the person that has to pay for their own meals. The thing is that everybody needs to eat every day. Yeah, to live. To live. <laughs> and so it's hard. It can get tricky to plan for that. Yeah, yeah. And so I reckon the NDIS or NDIA should pay for it or um, she needs to work out a budget mm. on on her meals, I reckon. Yeah, because otherwise she has to... Or needs to learn to budget her money, I reckon, yep. too. And so that's a goal that she could have. And then an- another yeah. goal could be to learn how to cook. Yeah, learn how to cook uh-huh. at home. And, and also... Um, so she doesn't have to eat takeaway all the time because if she doesn't have the money, yeah. she might go hungry. Yeah. She should have takeaway once in a while, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. But not all the time. I reckon once in a while she should buy takeaway. Yeah. Because it's, it's important to eat properly. Yes. And it's need, also. You need to be healthy and stay healthy and eat healthy meals. Yeah. And so it's important to eat properly, but to also learn how to cook. Yeah. And also to have to eat every day. So Yeah, yeah. it's important to eat every day and it just depends, yeah. So the OT was saying that she should have pre-prepared meals, but the planner was saying that she should learn how to cook. Mm. And so they didn't give her any money. So she had to go hungry sometimes. Mm. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Why should someone go hungry mm. when they're hungry? Well, it's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's just not fair on the person. Why should one person go hungry? No. And you're listening to 8.55am on 3CR, Raising Our Voices. Sky, what would you like to share with us about your experience trying to get a guide dog through the NDIS. Yeah. So previously I had two guide dogs. Uh, I'm totally blind. So I had two guide dogs that were not funded through the NDIS. It was before that. Um, And so they were uh, funded by public donations. And so my second guide dog, Varric, he was getting older, uh, and I knew that I had to get qualified through the NDIS. So when he was nine, I got a review done from Guide Dogs Victoria, and they said, well, you know, Varric was nine, and so we had to get funding, which we put the review in, to the NDIS and they said, no, what, no, why can't you use your cane? And so that was going on. And then it was when I heard that it was around Christmas time two years ago. And so, you know, everything was shutting down for Christmas and New Year's. And then I only had 30 days to respond to that. And it was, Everyone was off on holidays. And so that was really difficult because 
the review time was all taken up with, you know, everyone being on leave. And then also in the meantime, um, Varek actually passed away. He um, passed away last year. So I was about to, and so I was left with nothing. So I was about to um, have to go to the AAT, the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. So because going to the AAT is a really stressful process um, and I'd, I'd gone outside, I was about to have to go outside of the NDIA to repeal the decision because Varick had passed away, we put in another review to the NDIS to say that Varick had passed away. And so that took three or four months before we actually got them to approve the new guide dog. And so I was left for those few months without anything. The reason why I can't use a cane properly is because my right hand is paralyzed. So I get a really sore hand from using my cane repetitively. So we had to get lots of paperwork yeah. um, from my physios and the OT and everybody else and my doctor. And so it was really difficult. <laughs> uh, in the end, we did get it through and I've got a new guide dog now and his name is Grant and we're going really well. So, but just that whole process was really, really stressful mm-hmm. because it's a bureaucratic process. You're dealing with bureaucrats at the end of the day and they aren't responsive to your day-to-day needs. So the fact that I didn't have a guide dog, it didn't matter because I had to put in a review for a new guide dog and we actually had to go to Bill Shorten's office in the end to get it through because we had to go to that level to get him involved because they, it was just taking forever to get a new guide dog. And eventually guide dogs, Victoria came back to me to say that they had a new guide dog. They had a guide dog ready and we just needed the funding. It, we pushed it through it right at the very end um, because the NDIS was just taking so long to get it done. It is also a problem that you can't meet with your NDIS planner in person anymore. You used to be able to. Yeah. So it was pre-COVID, wasn't it, that you could meet them? but It was pre-COVID, yes. but In person, but you can't meet them anymore in person. No, you can't. I don't think so. But Yeah. Hopefully it will change. Mm. Because now the COVID rules have been scrapped, hopefully it will change. Mm. Hopefully it will change, yeah. But I don't know. So we are a self-advocacy radio show run by people with disabilities for people with disabilities. We thought we'd talk about some tips and tricks 
for the NDIS. So what would you like to share, James and Chris? Well, I reckon to talk to a family member who you can trust or maybe the organisation that you're going through because sometimes they can send a support team to help you when you actually go for your NDIS funding meeting to discuss about what you want because they probably have more understanding, especially if someone um, like, I won't mention any names, but I've got a um, coordinator who helps me with Lifely and he's got a son who's got a disability so he understands a bit more about what people with disability want. So it really helps that in that way. Because mm, I think someone else mentioned that there's it's really important to have people around you you can help you remember things when you're talking to the NDIS because when you're in a plan review it's it's you know only a, it's a only a specific time and if you get forget something then it's really hard to get that in mm. yeah it's really important um what advice would you give James for for listeners? Make sure that the NDIS planner is listening to what you are saying and explain why you need the supports you ask for. Yeah, make sure you're got enough hours and money in your plan. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. It is important, yes. Mm. Yeah. That's both really important, isn't it? Because if you don't have the right money, if you don't have the money for the right things, then you can't use it. Because mm. mm. you can't, you're not allowed to switch. You know, it's like a buckets of money. You can't swap money from one bucket to another. No. And you have to be so careful about what you say to the NDIS, to the planners. So you almost have to be coached. <laughs> You know, someone needs to explain to you, um, you know, say this, don't say this. <laughs> and say that, pretend it's, that it's your worst day <laughs> when you're talking to the NDIS. Because otherwise, if they see that you can do something or do, do things, then they won't fund something else. So, yeah, you have to be very careful what you say to them. Mm. What about you, Chris? Do you have any tips or tricks well it's not well it's kind of like a um tip and it's to do with the internet and it's also to do with the phone if you get an email from your NDIS make sure you um double check to see if it is from the NDIS if the if a text or the email is from the NDIS because there's a lot of schemers and scams out there um who will take people NDIS money off them. Mm, that's true. Because it's a lot of money that we're dealing with. Mm. And it's it's pretty difficult to budget for anybody. But when you've got that money sitting there that you can actually access, um, you know, it's pretty tricky sometimes to be able to know that the money's going to the right spot and not get scammed. Yeah, not going to, like... Yeah, because there's at the moment, there's people are scamming with internet as well as um, sending texts mm. to people, and 
that can really um, be frightening. And one thing another participant has shared with us is Mm. that you can't choose your planner. You just get the planner that you get given from the NDIS. So it makes it really difficult Mm. to be able to, I was going to say convince people. (laughs) It's because the, and I think like it gets down to the NDIS being what they call a deficit-based system. And so what that means is that they don't give you money and say, here's the money, you choose how to spend it. It's actually the opposite way around. You have to show the NDIS that you can't do something and they will give you money to be able to support you to do whatever it is. So because it's designed in that way, it means that the participants, we have to actually talk to the NDIS and to occupational therapists and all the all the other therapists involved um, to say, hey, we actually need this support. And that's how it is designed. And that's it does make sense in that way, but it makes it really tricky. Mm. What do you think could be changed in the NDIS? <laughs> it's really hard to pick one. Um, <laughs> it is hard to fix, yeah. But I think what would be really useful if we could pick planners, if we have a good relationship mm. with a planner, obviously it would be hard to monitor if the planner is being objective or if they, you know, got to know the participant well mm. and was amenable or like understood more why they need what they need the participant that would be useful but i can also see that that could create other problems Mm. from their point of view so yeah it would be tricky but it would be good if we had more choice and control over which planners we got so if we didn't know the planner it would be good to know that they had experience with the type of disability that you have instead of, you know, a completely different disability. Like someone who has um, studied that disability. Mm. And I reckon that um, planners sort of also do a refresh course on disability training so they know how to work better with people. Because in the, at the end of the day, the NDIS is governed by money mm. and not by people with disabilities. <laughs> So they're bean counters. You count the beans and then they give out the peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> and they're finance people. They're not people with disability. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else you wanted to say, Chris or James? Sometimes it's um, not easy to understand whether or not you are vision prepared or or other ways of a disability, and they sort of make it a lot easier for all different types of disabilities so people can understand it better. Because sometimes it's really hard to, when you're even reading on the website, it's very tricky to be able to work out what they're saying. If they said it in more plainer language, it would make things much easier, I think. I was looking up the other day on how to 
actually apply for the NDIS and what the criteria is, what they need to you to be able to qualify. And it's actually really complicated. And I was reading it. I was thinking to myself, I wish I had some easy fact sheets or something like that to say, this is what it actually means, because it's actually quite complicated. That would be a good thing to have. James, what do you think? Make sure that the planner is listening to the person and make sure the planner is listening to what you're saying and make sure it's in a plan. And I know some people have goals in their plan too. And some of those goals haven't been met by some other people and they get frustrated. Mm. It just depends what the goals are and what goals you need to achieve as well. Mm. And with certain things that the NDIS will fund and not fund, there was one participant who was saying that they want to go visit some relatives in another town and she couldn't afford to get there, so she'd like some travel money. The NDIS didn't fund it when she asked for it, for that help. Mm. But it's a bit like if someone's asked to go to the football and then they don't get to go to the football because the record is not necessary and they reckon anyone can just jump on the train and go to the football. But it can be really stressful, can't it, mm. to go to the football? Yeah. Really loud and lots of crowds and, you know, sometimes you need some someone with you to, to help you go through that just to go to the football. Mm. You've been listening to 3CR, 8.55am. This is a radio show run by people with disability, for people with disability. Join us next time, next month. We'll be talking about experiences of people with disability with transport issues. Nothing about us without us. Now stay tuned for Margin Voices.